to determine if ally was a title that you were going to add to your bio or if it was going to be a way of life. You walk in allyship. You are acting as an ally. Welcome to Beyond Allyship, a podcast that helps humans shift their understanding of what it means to be an effective ally and show up in allyship for marginalized communities. Let's get it popping. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Beyond Allyship Podcast. I am your host, Dr. J-Pop. And y'all, I'm very excited about today's guest. So in the last episode, you got to hear a little bit about my own allyship journey and my announcement of the Get Moving Activity Deck launching, which was on February 14th. But the deck wouldn't be what it was without this dope human. So today I am bringing on Miss Addie Rivera Sanda. Addie is a Mexican illustrator who loves color, learning, and exploring ways in which we can build kinder and more interdependent communities. Her biggest inspiration for drawing is that she knows that stories and art have an impact on the way people understand themselves and perceive others, building empathy and affecting change toward a more just world. I can't tell you all how many illustrators I went through until I found someone like Addie. I was so excited when I saw her page because I just loved how she combined what was clearly very important values to her into her work and she brought my vision to life. So without further ado, I welcome Miss Addie to the mic. <laughs> Hi Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Really nervous I'm as well. Like there is a reason why I'm an illustrator behind the <laughs> behind the drawing pad, behind the computer. But I am really honored and excited uh, to be talking with you. Oh, I thank you for saying yes. I know when I first asked, you were like, ah. I figured most illustrators like to be behind the scenes, but I appreciate you coming on and, and having a conversation with me because we did this together and I just need the people to hear about how awesome you are. So we can just start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself and what led to you being an, an I, I say, artist and illustrator. <laughs> yes. Um, well, so I identify as a the indigenous person from what today is known as Mexico because of conversations with my family, with mainly with my grandparents. I know that I have Totonaca and Mayan roots. However, I haven't really made any like real efforts reconnecting with my ancestors, but it's really important for me to try to understand myself through that lens that I am not a uh, only the identity that like maybe this white supremacist vision of the world has assigned to me. Mm. So I'm also someone who belongs to the past, to this land, like my ancestors were from here. So I am trying to reconnect with that indigenous part of myself, even though I am not an indigenous person, like I am not perceived and I do not navigate the world as a as an indigenous person, I am a mixed race or probably uh, it sometimes is called mestizo person. Okay. 
So that's that's who I am in terms of, I guess, how I look, <laughs> maybe, or how people can treat me sometimes. So then the next part, the next part of the question was what kind of led to you being an artist and illustrator? Yes. So um, I've been drawing ever since I was a kid. Like I remember in discovering that I could draw anything I wanted. Like I remember looking at like doll houses. And then I remembered thinking, I can draw whatever I want. Like if I want two beds, I can draw two beds. Like if I want my dolls to have different clothing than the ones that they have, I can draw the clothes. Like I can draw whatever I imagine. So I remember drawing being such an empowering feeling ever since I was like really young. Like it's a place that makes me feel powerful, that makes me feel love and like creativity, energy, and also it helps me process uh, everything that I am living. Like I consider myself to be a very empathetic person. So it's really mm-hmm. hard sometimes to live in this world, like feeling so much. So drawing has always been a way for me to understand myself in my context and to process and to just like draw the things that I imagine and that make me happy and think that they can exist in paper and also maybe they can exist in the world. That's super powerful, Eddie. And it's interesting that it's a gift that you have. But it also sounds like it becomes almost therapy for you. Like it's a way for you to work through a lot of things. And that that's a that's probably a really good feeling. Yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> it's been a, a tool that it's also been complex for me to navigate it as a way to earn income. And like because it's what I do mm-hmm. to to have fun and to express and to process. So I guess what age did you decide this this gift that I have, this way of showing up, you know, on paper, the way that I want to show up in the future world. Um, At what point did you say, this is what I want to do for like ever? (laughs) This is what I, or at least for this time period, this is what I want to do. When did you decide that? I think I knew that I always wanted to draw that, like that was a part of of my existence in this world. Mm. I think that having that tool was very important for me. I just didn't know that I was going to do it as a job you know like I knew that I was always going right. to draw but my parents they were both uh, my, my dad is alive my mom passed away a uh, chemical engineers so I think that um, I followed <laughs> the same path because I really enjoyed math and chemistry in school mm. so they were like okay this is a way that you can have financial security <laughs> in your life Because people always think that engineers, doctors, lawyers, you know, like these careers will always have these, at least financial security, I think. So that's something that was important for for my mom, I think. (laughs) So Mm, I was always very encouraged in that area. But uh, when I started college, I remember saying, no, like, why will I be learning all this chemistry and things that are interesting like super interesting to me mm-hmm. and I feel fascinated to try to understand them because they're part of our world that we live in so mm-hmm. that's why it's interesting to me but like I saw how they were used like my parents work in the oil industry so I was really against 
that like I, like I love mm. like our world so <laughs> I didn't want to be part of that so I was like no I'm going to art school and I dropped out of the other school and I changed my major and like started a new program and I didn't tell my parents until <laughs> <laughs> I I look like a very like quiet person but I am a rebel too <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by your drawings, which is why I was drawn to you. <laughs> Thank you. So we decided I'm not going to do chemical engineering. I'm going to do illustration, went into art school. And the process of, I guess, I, this is still all new to me. So when you said, when you get out of school, like, what's the next step? If someone said, hey, I want to be an illustrator, like what did you do after school was done? Well, I think, uh, of course, every person has their own path and what's interesting to them. But um, I had this particular experience that in my high school, they had uh, like an experimental program to study in a Chinese high school. So I went to Shanghai and studied part of my high school there. And it was Wow. So interesting, uh, like being free in a different way because uh, like Mexico is safe in some ways, but I don't think I had the freedom of freedom of movement in the city that I experienced mm. in China because it's a different like culture and society. So it was safer for me to move around the city on my own. So I discovered like so much food and art and people and different ways of ways of moving. Like I saw like the kids in the park, the old people like doing Tai Chi and like different ways of being in community that I felt really wrong mm -hmm. to try to understand more of that. Like, um, so after I graduated from college, I went to live in China for two years. Okay. I, I started uh, like an internship over there and then I was awarded a scholarship to study Chinese. And that was a very important period in my life because I didn't have to pay for school or for living. Like they gave me money just to study Chinese. So I was very lucky right. to be part of that. And I got the chance to really develop, I think, my own style for drawing because in school, like... I think they teach you to follow like mm -hmm. certain steps or, you know, like it's more like maybe giving you the tools to explore, but I don't feel like I could develop my own voice in school. Like I was so busy trying to meet due dates, assignments, you know, to please the teachers because they're the ones giving mm -hmm. you the grades. So I, I'm very grateful to the time that I had to, develop my own voice and look for what I thought was beautiful in my on my own not like trying to imitate what was deemed beautiful by my teachers which also is like a its own topic because a lot of our standards or ideas of beauty in art are very European centric or like not really representing what what other people can imagine their worlds to be like. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a, that's to hear it from your perspective. Um, I say all the time, I feel like when we get into schools, 
we're just trained to stay in line, trained to make sure that we check the boxes and you just kind of keep going. And you, I think society hopes that we will stay on autopilot. We'll stay on that track of check the box, check the box, check the box, do the thing, show up for work, you know, get your benefits and then retire. And then when you're 65, you can live, like you can just go travel. And it, it's refreshing to meet people who saw that early and chose the path early in life. Cause I know there's a lot of, you know, 50, 60 year olds that have looked back and said, man, there were other things that I would love to do, or there are other things that I would love to do. So it's refreshing to hear it from you that you felt the same way. And it makes sense as to why I was drawn to you <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Thank you. No, I, I felt such excitement uh, to be chosen. Like, I guess I felt chosen for, for these project like it doesn't happen with every project so I'm very grateful when when I have that chance I don't even have to ask that question (laughs) so I want to go back it's interesting because you said you know you talked about your parents and them being chemical engineers and um, that they worked in the oil industry and this kind of leads into my next question so uh, as an indigenous person a person of color what was the journey to deciding that you wanted your social and environmental justice beliefs to be a part of your illustrative work? Or has it always been? Has that been the case since the beginning? <laughs> yes. So I think as we were talking a little bit about before, like drawing has been a tool for me to process the world, like to process how I experience life, how I learn new things and how I cope, I guess, with things that are hurtful. Uh, like on learning some things that I thought were true mm. or trying to to change how I react to to things happening in the world. And I I almost need to draw to to have that time. I think other people could do meditation or other other ways of processing because drawing is also moving your body, maybe slightly, but it is. <laughs> yes. So it's it's a way of like welcoming this new information or processing something that is painful or also sharing joy. Like sometimes when I learn new things, I just can't wait to draw about it. I'm like, oh my God, I learned this. I need to share it with more people. Like, I don't know, hopefully it will bring joy or understanding or something will make sense. Like it made sense for me Mm -hmm. to someone else. So Right. Yes, they have always been like linked to each other, I think. Yes. So I know sometimes people look at the careers that we have and they, especially on social media, you know, you hear stuff like I would like, oh, this is a physical therapist page. Why are you talking about race and social justice? And I would imagine you've maybe heard some of the same things in terms of illustration. Have you ever encountered pushback? Because of any of your drawings? Um, I think, yes, people don't share my opinion of the world. And on social media, it's like, oh, the place to find pushback for anything. <laughs> but also find support and community. And like... True. We, we can, yes, of course, we can choose. Like the people we want in our lives, right? Like... Exactly. There's a point where you are like, I will not spend any more energy on these people. Like, I, I am sure of what I feel, of what I think, 
and I can focus on that instead of trying to convince other people to see me or people who are different than them to convince them that they're worthy of respect. And, and yes. yeah, so we, we don't need their approval. We don't need their anything. We can like build strength and love and support among ourselves, I think. I love your outlook, Addie. It's just so, it's so bright and refreshing. I love it. In the illustration world, have you ever met barriers in your work because of either your beliefs or your marginalized identities? Or has it just been something that's just, you've been able to blaze through? Um, I think, like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable of the way I am read as a person of color because mm. I grew up in Mexico and I have I lived in the United States and most of my work is done for the US. But it is very different to exist with my identity in those two different places. Because in here the majority of the people look like me <laughs> and I am treated right. a certain way. And in the U.S., I'm treated, treated differently. So I think that's just, like, it says how everything's made up, right? Like, race is made up. Like, <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's just a way to other people who, they just need to, some people need to invent reasons why other people doesn't deserve respect or doesn't res deserve humanity. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Or just... Uh, to be seen as people with, with rights. Sorry, going back to, to your question, if, okay. if I have ever encountered pushback, uh, I, I feel like this day and age, uh, people embrace people of color who can bring something that is valuable <laughs> to them. You know, like uh, talking about tokenized identities and like, saying, mm -hmm. well, you see, like, this brown or black person can belong in these spaces. Like, there is a seat at the table and things like that. That maybe, like, we don't even want to sit at that table. Like, mm. you know? And so I, I feel skeptical sometimes about, like, this acceptance that okay. it's, it feels superficial sometimes, that it's not working in the favor of people of color you know like it's just working mm. to say look if you work hard you can belong in these spaces too and it's not the actual change that will be like you know what everyone deserves everything all the respect all the care shelter food just because they are people not because they have performed something that we think it's acceptable or something like that. <laughs> no, that that right there that that says so much. Just being valued as a human, not for a gift or a skill or something you a resource you have, but just because you're human and you matter and you're here on Earth. So I, thank you for that. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. That's it's definitely one I think as you can. Let me know how you feel. But as a person, as a black woman, it, I have definitely felt 
okay, I have to be above and do above and beyond. And was definitely told you have to go above and beyond. You have to be better than everyone else. And it, it, reinforces that as a child, as a teenager, as a, you know, in your twenties or thirties, you're, you're trying to shed that feeling. And it's very hard. It's hard to know, no, I'm worth, I'm worthy because I'm here, not because I am great at this or good at this, or you like me for this, but just who I am. Um, so that's beautiful, Addie. Oh, I just love you. I love you too, Jenny. You're, you're making me emotional. <laughs> oh, we're going to take this show to Mexico next, y'all. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go see Miss Addie. Yes. <laughs> so um, shifting gears, how do you decide what projects you want to be a part of? I feel like at this point in my career, I feel like I, I have a choice. Like... I can uh, see what is exciting, feel what I think it's going to have a meaning in my life because I spent so many hours with a project that <laughs> I don't want it to be something that's not honest uh, for me to draw. Uh, I, I think, of course, about uh, the people who are going to read it, like which are mostly kids most of the time, <laughs> which is yes. so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I have to feel like I there's a part, at least one part of, of the project that aligns with my values. And of course, nothing is going to be like, well, there are very few projects that are going to be like exactly what, what um, maybe we feel like it's the ideal or like the vision of the world that we want to see represented in the books, right? So yes, so at this point, I think I have more choice and I try to choose what feels excited and that aligns with my values. But of course, like there is the component of also like uh, we need to, to have income and, you know, like we can compromise, <laughs> even though we can dream with a world that does and uh, need that, you know, like. <laughs> right. We still got to live. Yes. <laughs> So what were your initial thoughts when you got the Get Moving Deck proposal? I was so excited when I checked your page. I was like, oh, my God. Also so nervous because they was like, she's Aww. so amazing. Like, I I was like, oh, my God, I need to, to learn so much and like to do my, my, my best, <laughs> I think. And a... When I was working actually on the project, I, I felt so much joy. Like I was, I remember I was working on another project and I was like, oh, I want to finish this. Like I go back to the cards <laughs> and, you know, like just the color palette that you uh, chose or that you were happy with. I felt so much joy from that palette. Like just looking at the pictures, drawings, learning, uh, the resources that you also shared with me. I, I had complete joy, I think. And I was really excited also to think about how the cards were going to be used. So that yeah, also really. Well, the feeling is mutual. I, I felt the same way when I went to your page. <laughs> <laughs> so did this project stretch you in any way? Like, did it 
I don't know. Did, was there anything different that you had to do for this project where you're like, hmm, I want to learn a little bit more about that so that I can illustrate it in a different way or in a better way? Yes, definitely. And I think like so much of that learning process was thanks to you because like some of the equipment or like the uh, technology developed to help other people uh, is very specific. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I, I draw and I try to be inclusive, I have to accept that I'm very superficial. Like I started paying more attention after I worked on this project because I was like, this is like real things that are useful and magical and beautiful. So I should pay attention to them and try to represent them as what the wonderful things that they are. So it definitely mm. changed the way I paid attention to all like w different wheelchairs and different hearing aids. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've been incorporating in my work after, like in the books that I'm drawing after the cards, you will always find people who are wearing um, the hearing aids or things that I will not always think about before, you know, mm -hmm. and something that was very full of love for me from this project is that how it's so intrinsical to this deck that every person is important, you know, like I just <laughs> felt that connection and I wanted to keep um, like expressing that, not just for my, for my personal art, but also for my, for their other books, projects. <laughs> that is, that is amazing. It's, I will never forget doing an internship because before I wanted to be a physical therapist, I thought I wanted to be an audiologist and work with kids on their okay. hearing. And I interned at a daycare um, for kids with, um, most of them had hearing devices. And I remember one kid asked me to draw a picture and I drew the picture. I'm not a draw, I'm not an illustrator. So it was, it was, a, it was a stick figure, but I, I didn't add ears. And the kid looked at me like I was insane and I didn't do it on purpose. It was just, it was a stick figure. I never added ears to the stick figure. And, and he looked at me, he said, uh, you're missing something. And I said, okay, we'll finish the picture. And he drew these big ears on it. And in my head, I was like, that's very interesting. This child's world has been centered around hearing and, and devices. And one of the teachers said, if you see their drawings at this age, I think he was about four or five. He said, they're always going to have big ears. He said, because that's such a big part of their lives. So hearing you say that, um, I've always said most of us have biases because we haven't been exposed yeah. to something. Um, it's not intentional. It's like biases or science. It's a network and how it works. But just simply showing someone, hey, this is this is part of someone's lived experience can change how that person sees lived experiences past that. So to hear you say that now you think about those assistive devices when you're actually doing general illustration, it just makes me happy because I know that the kids that I see, um, if they are seen as special, it's usually they're being seen as inspiration. And usually that's, we call that inspiration porn <laughs> when you just use somebody and their disability and say, this person inspires me so much, but to just be able to pick up something like the deck 
and see that Addie has put braces on a kid or, you know, a cochlear implant, it does reinforce that. That's what we've both been saying. You're special because you're here and whatever has to come with your lived experience, that's special too. Like that's it. Not because you're, you know, have a disability. We're not inspired. You're just special because you exist. That's it. So I, I truly appreciate, um, you allowing me to direct you on that part (laughs) because I I also was like, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I just want to make sure that it's right. And, and you were just so dope to work with. No, I'm I'm truly, truly so deeply grateful for your direction and for sharing your knowledge. It, it, it it has changed there forever. The way I, I draw definitely. (laughs) You're just, this is, I could go on forever. I know everybody doesn't want to listen forever, but I do want to know <laughs> what projects are you working on right now, or do you have some coming up? Uh, yes, I'm working on a personal project with my friend Karen. We're working on a book that represents. Um, it's mostly her experience as a black okay. woman being an animal mm-hmm. rights activist and how. Some fights are seen as more important than others or not understood mm. as like companion fights or like that are part like the oppression. It doesn't matter which expression of it it is. It's all connected in the same root of hierarchy, of otherness, of, you know, like trying to create invisible or like imaginary barriers like between mm. the world, you know, like either if we are a tree, a rat, <laughs> a human, we are part of this system that needs each of us. So like the importance that we assign to different people is just like an invention. Like it's not real. We are all necessary and important. So we're we're working on a book that reflects the that um like excitement to just integrate all our identities. So I'm working on that personal project with my friend Karen. That's amazing. So that means that I'm going to need to have you all on when that book comes out so that we can talk about it. (laughs) Oh my God, that would be so amazing. (laughs) So I, I recognize that as an artist, as an illustrator, your face and voice, they're not always at the forefront. So I, it's funny, I kind of liken what you've done as a form of allyship. You were able to take my words, you were able to take what was in my head and convey the message beautifully. So because your voice isn't always at the forefront, this is why I wanted to have you on because I knew that there was so much behind your illustrations. But I want everyone to not just hear how amazing you are, but also know that there, there are movements that you are seeking to push forward, that ways that you are trying to improve how people experience our world. So what is one call to action that you would like to share with the people listening to this episode? Um, so one call to action, <laughs> I guess it will be to... Pay attention to the people in their community. Doesn't matter if that those people are human or non-human. Like non-human animals are part of our communities too, and they are key to understanding ourselves. I think to understanding ourselves 
as a part of nature, as a part of a planet that does not exist in the way that most people imagine it, like in this constant growth and constant like reach more, have more, like sometimes I see it with like, I try to reach more people, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been trying to practice something that I read on a book from Adrian Marie Brown, um, Emergent Strategy. <laughs> and she talks about having deeper connections, not wider connections. Like mm -hmm. trying to have like that love and energy put into our communities, into the people that care about us too. Um, So I guess that's that will be my call to action. That's a beautiful and powerful call to action. And I will make sure that I link Adrian Marie Brown's book, Emergent Strategy, in the show notes. Um, it's a great one. That whole trilogy that she wrote yes. was just is amazing. Um, so, Addie, tell people where they can find you if they just want to enjoy your illustrations and how they could get in touch if they wanted to actually hire you. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, well, they can find me on Instagram. It's Addy, A-D-D-Y, underscore Rivera, R-I-P-E-R-A. And they can reach me through there, <laughs> through DM. Sometimes I'm a little bit slow <laughs> getting back to people, but I will eventually get to, to the messages. <laughs> Got you. I will make sure all of Addie's information is in the show notes. I'm just deeply grateful for you, not just because you illustrated the heck out of that deck, but because you are a beautiful soul. And I am, I'm just honored to have been able to share a project with you. And hopefully we can have some more projects in the future. That would be so amazing. And thank you for like, I just get so much joy and excitement from seeing the videos of the people with playing with the cards and the cute oh, thank you so much for tagging me on those they, they make my day yeah <laughs> i will keep tagging you <laughs> thank you jennifer well thank you thank you for coming on and this is dr j pop out <laughs> <laughs>